Welcome to Black Love Now. I'm your host, Scarlett Williski. Black Love Now is a podcast accompaniment to the forthcoming exhibition at Nicole Longnecker Gallery in Houston, Texas. Here, I will interview artists asking about their body of work, professional practice, and their creative process. My curatorial approach prioritizes contemporary African-American artists living and working in Texas. Black Love Now is brought to you by The Scarlet Market. The Scarlet Market is an online resource that provides private sale and post-sale fine art services. An art collection is only as strong as the services that support it. Insurance, storage, installation, conservation, framing, and so much more. To learn more about these services, please visit our website at scarletmarket.com. That's scarlet with two T's, market.com. Here's our interview with Lisa B. Woods. Lisa is an artist, an interaction designer with more than eight years of experience deploying new technologies in beautiful ways for social good. She specializes in digital art, projection mapping, and sculpture. She is a public speaker and lectures on topics ranging from diversity in tech to the experience economy. So welcome, Lisa. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Carla. It's so, it's so excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you. So um, let's just start with um, the the exhibition. We, you, we have you participating with us in Black Love Now in October of 2022. So we're very excited for, uh, for the exhibition. Um, so first things first, uh, your piece is called Recognition. And I just wanted to ask you a little bit about um, the, the title of the work and why, uh, we chose, why you chose the title and a little bit uh, if you can give us a read on the parentheses in the work um, to kind of uh, help our, uh, our audience uh, understand the, uh, the title in relationship to the work itself. Sure. Um, so recognition, yeah, I'm spelling it kind of funky, like you mentioned. It's R-E and then like an open parentheses and then cognition. And I named it that because as an artist who works in technology, like there's aesthetic that I love, which is very kind of clean and minimal and almost austere, which I think this piece does have. And we can talk about what the piece looks like as well. Um, but I feel like it's a very white male kind of aesthetic. And I didn't really recognize myself in it. And I've really wanted to um, still lean into that because I still think it's very beautiful, but also just bring um, more of an African aesthetic, an African-American aesthetic, kind of a female look to the piece. Mm. Um, and, and and people will be able to recognize themselves in it. It was really that, like, uh, I'm thinking about Afrofuturism and, you know, uh, Black Futurity, which is like, what do we look like in the future? Mm. Who are we? Like, what's our science fiction yes. um, look, looks like to us? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, recognition, just describe the piece for the audience because they can't see it, is a very large piece. I think she's like 108 feet, 108 inches, not feet <laughs> wide. Uh, and there's like a, a large um, kind of African female face. And then she's got this, uh, these very large kind of hair. Um, 
it's so hard to describe. Yes. Like geometric concentric circles. Yes. That kind of create a gray pattern around her face. Yes. And then the face is made of paper, like very geometric, uh, faceted kind of a piece, almost like a diamond. Mm -hmm. And she's projected on, and she has these uh, kind of abstract lines that move across her face in, I think, like you mentioned, like a landscape. It feels like she's yes. kind of moving forward, like Tron, mm. right? Like you're, you're projecting yourself forward. So, yeah, yes. it's this very... Um, in your face like she's yeah she's impactful yes and, uh, I love that I love that about her what what can you tell us about her like I I saw your um your your introduction um you, you sent a video um of your of your process of baking her and we'll definitely um if it's okay with Lisa link that in the show notes so it can give people an idea of um the work before they get a chance to see the work in person um but it's like do you know her like do you know the woman in the image no, she's really more of a, a fiction. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love these. I mean, my my boyfriend will laugh because he knows that I love to do figurative stuff, yes. figurative pieces, and I love faces. I mean, the bigger the face, the happier I am. I travel <laughs> and see any kind of artwork. I mean, if I went to Easter Island, I probably would just faint. Yeah. I just love giant and I'm not even kidding about this. And so when I started working on this piece, he's like, of course, that's what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> and she's different from other pieces I've made, but uh -huh. there is that similarity. And um, I, I, there's something about, I, I think it just draws me in, yes. you know, to see this figure, this abstract figure. Um, and and you put, you like, were literally projecting on her, but I think mm -hmm. I allow people to kind of interpret her how they, how they want, right? Yeah. But it's about... Yeah, the science fiction kind of character. Yes. I'm thinking about doing theories, and I think in my mind, she's an archivist. She's someone who's holding a lot of information and, uh, and has stories about us. And wow. if you can only unlock them, like you've you've come across her, and she has yet to divulge to you all that she knows. Oh wow, she's like she's like a black Siri almost. Can we like walk up to her and, yes. and ask her? <laughs> Ask her questions. I, love that. I, love that. I should make one talk for sure. I would right? love that. Just ask her questions that she can answer in right. kind of an enigmatic way. Nice. <laughs> I like that. It sounds so cool. Um, so I, one of the questions I wanted to ask is um, like your approach to production and like the ways you think through um, mixed media, paper and sculpture. Like like when you when you started working on this piece, like did you already like, did you already know that, like, what the relationship with the light and paper would be? And like, oh, actually, I think I'm, I think I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> I think I'm adding two questions together. So let me, let me slow down. Um, <laughs> but what's, what's your, what's your approach to just production and like through the ways you think through uh, your medias um, to, to sure. come up with your finished product? Yeah, I think, you know, some sculptors and artists are very much in the moment and mm -hmm. they start painting or they start sculpting with clay and they can kind of let something, they may have some idea in their mind and they let it kind of evolve as, as they work with the material. But I think my work, because it is, it does involve digital media and I do need to produce it, really starts with a very crisp idea. I spend more time, I think, visualizing the idea in the tools that I'm familiar with, like my background uh, is graphic design and, and user experience design. So mm -hmm. I'm you know, very good at Photoshop and Illustrator and I can work in 3D modeling programs and I can create small versions of pieces before I make the big one. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of my time drawing first and then drawing on the computer and making things more precise and kind of pre-visualizing things. I love yes. to kind of see 
if I put a figure here, what's the scale that I'm going to eventually want? And then work backwards to like, well, how big is that? Really? Right, um, right. And so, yeah, I do a lot of kind of pre-visualization. And then from there, I try to execute what I have produced in my mind and mm-hmm. in these digital files, which is often a challenge because I'm not exactly sure how those things will work out. Um, so in the case of recognition, the face is made of paper. So it is, there's a program that allows you to take a three three-dimensional model and flatten it kind of like, it's called paper craft. I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar with that, but just that there's a mathematical process of just kind of breaking something down. Like when you open up a box, if you mm-hmm. tore it open, it'd be like this flat kind of shape, right? right? And then you can fold it and make it three-dimensional again. It does that. And so I um, am able to create these really large pieces that weigh like less than a pound. They're very oh, lightweight. Wow. It's just paper. And then I uh, spray paint it. I put it on a, a laser cut armature so it holds itself, right? Good uh-huh. paper. It's kind of floppy. <laughs> even even kind of stiff cardboard paper. And, um, and then the rings of hair were a combination of laser cut wood mm-hmm. and then just a lot of fiber. So there was, a, there was actually a very uh, interesting process of braiding, which we know as, as black women that is, a, is time consuming. Right? Yes. You go to the salon, you're there from morning to evening. Yes. And, and I should have realized that because when I started braiding this piece, it took me significantly longer than I thought it would. How long, like, how long did it take you? An X. Like it, it took months. Oh, it took wow. Months. And, um, you know, I would do like one ring at a time. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I just have to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Then I'd go back and do a little bit more. So at the at the fastest I was going, I could do maybe three or four um, half rings mm. in a day. And there's, you know, I don't know how many there are. There's 30 or 40 of them. So, wow. but after a while, I kind of leaned into the, what do you call it? Kind of the routine of it. Yes. Like it became a bit mesmerizing. Yes. And then I started listening to audiobooks. I started watching videos about other artists. So it became this really interesting, I can make art without really thinking about it. Yes. Um, and also kind of, um, yeah, just listen to other artists, listen to music. Uh, listen to audiobooks. So then I really started enjoying it. Nice. <laughs> now I miss it. Nice. Nice. It's like a little bit of like self-reflection time. Can I, can I ask, do you, do you know what you were reading? Like, was it, was any of it like, like sci-fi or Trekkie or like? <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. I was listening to a sci-fi book called, uh, I think it's called Kara and the Sun. I think okay. I mentioned that I forget names. Okay. This is one of those. Yes. Things. Yes. Sorry. Kara and the Sun, Kara and the Sun. And it is this very slow moving, um, really intimate portrait of this little AI uh, robot girl Mm. um, in the society where they make these little children become friends to like, quote unquote, real children. Um, And it's from her point of view. And it is, it's this beautiful story. Um, Yeah. And all the misunderstandings, like things that she understands and things that she doesn't, like how she makes sense of her world is from her perspective. So it was a great piece because it was a very slow... um, and a thoughtful science fiction, not your typical, you know, shoot them up in space. Right. <laughs> shoot them up in space. Yeah, it was nice. very much about a little girl and her little friend and the family dynamics around this little robot child. Oh, that's so cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that with me. I'm sorry. It's a little, uh, <laughs> a little off, but. A book recommendation. <laughs> yes. I, I love that. I love that. We'll, we'll add that to our recommended reading. Um, and <laughs> that will be in the show notes also. That's, it's a lot of fun. I, I love, I love knowing what artists are reading. Um, it just makes their work 
just that much more interesting. It's like, oh yeah, like Lisa Woods, she she read this. I have my <laughs> my my summer book recommendation. So thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> um, so like. So in keeping in mind and like what your like creative space is, like reflecting on uh, a, a recent Instagram caption, you were talking about wearing specific colors or like repetitive rhythms. Um, can you describe for us what your ideal creative environment is? Sure. Um, so yeah, so that post uh, was someone who... Um, where did I find it? I think in the Atlantic, perhaps. Mm. And she was talking about it. She's a writer and kind of how it's called, um, it has the word self-mesmerism in it. It's yes. the idea that to kind of get out of the noise of the world and the noise in your head to really make work and focus, she found it really helpful to do these kind of ritualistic things, right? She wears this very specific color um, when she starts to write, when she sits down to write. And then she plays this music, which she called very kind of austere. It's almost like going to like a monastery and listening to the monks sing, mm. right? It's not entertaining, but right. it does get you, it slows you down. And it's not like silence, because even silence, you can kind of start chatting to yourself. Exactly. So it kind of, yeah. And so, yeah, I thought it was a very interesting piece because I had been looking for, you know, in my studio, what is the best music for me to work with? Like, mm-hmm. what is the best yeah, environment. And I had found that, yeah, music without lyrics was really helpful mm-hmm. and just sounds that allow you to have like a driving beat, like it's moving you forward, but isn't really taking you anywhere. Right, right. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's- I haven't tried where I wear the same color every time, but I did uh, download, she had a, a Spotify list. So that was fabulous called Music for Self Mesmerism. Oh, nice. And, and like, a little. <laughs> The little thumbnail for it is like this uh, woman being, you know, with with this guy with lightning bolts coming out of his fingers, oh, you know, cool. kind of hypnotizing her. And and yeah, the music is not easy listening, but it allows you. It's it's background for just you know having your own thoughts. Um, I just love I love being in a city environment. I think it's inspiring to see what other artists are doing, what other musicians are doing. You know, architecture, the shows that are here, like anything that you know could spark an idea. Oh, have you seen any shows lately? Like anything, any um, any recent inspiration? I know it wouldn't be direct, like, directly related to um, recognition because it's already uh, installed in City Hall. Congratulations. Um, that's thanks, so cool. <laughs> but um, have you, yeah, have you seen any shows lately? It's in the People's lately? Gallery here in Austin. Oh, uh, it'll be up gallery. for a couple of years. It's a really long, it's a really long exhibition time, nice. which for a digital artwork will be interesting. So I think I'm going to have to keep an eye on it. Yes. Install the, like a little, a little camera so that I can remotely check in on the piece and make sure that it looks the way That's I expect so it to. cool. <laughs> I like that. That's smart. That's a really nice uh, security measure. That's so cool. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you were asking me about a recent show. Um, it wasn't maybe that recent. Mm-hmm. During the winter i was in london so my partner lives in london uh, his family lives in the uk so we okay. travel there twice a year and i went to i believe it was the tate modern and i saw this artist called annika Yi, and she uh, the tate modern has this massive hall it's a really 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 large hall like i don't know how many feet and how many feet long it is it's just massive uh-huh. and she created these self uh propelled floating I don't know bubbles okay they had like these tentacles that kind of moved up and down 
and they made the whole space seems like like you were underwater. Like there's something about these um, objects that were floating around the space on their own. I think there might have been 10 or 12 at a time, a variety of shapes with these kind of strange tentacles slowly moving up and down. And that made you feel like you were in a, in a weird futuristic aquarium. Wow. And I love that piece. And I looked up her work. And I think this was more of a, a, a side trip for her. Like most of her work actually involves like bacteria and like yeasts and organisms. Like mm-hmm. her work is actually very smelly. Okay. <laughs> and this, this piece that I saw at the Tate Modern didn't have any scent. But I am in love with her. She's currently my favorite, favorite artist. She nice. is just... Um, doing things that I just have never seen anyone else do before. Could so, you could I'm you pr- pronounce her name for me again? I'm sorry, you, you were just doing sure. it. Sure, <laughs> so A-N-I-K-A, and I think the last name is uh, Y-I. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. I'll be yeah, linking linking her show in the show notes too. It's like, that's so cool. Like, that's I've, I haven't heard of her, but the Tate oh, is always wonderful with, exhibitions and and having you know wonderful new artists and new talent to to take a look at and you know emerging artists not only just emerging artists but you know talent that we're already very familiar with so it's uh it's nice to to hear new names so thank you for that um so I, I wanted to also ask you is there is there um any work that you did before recognition that you would think kind of like Links. Well, you you mentioned earlier, like the faces. Like, do you do you is that is that an anchor point for you? Like, in do you are you seeing some sort of train of thought in your um, in your production? Like, as oh, you, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the last three pieces uh, that I've done, and they're called monumental and spirits, all do. Um, have commonalities, commonalities of recognition. So they're all using uh, this paper craft technique that I was mentioning, where I kind of can create a what they call a low poly, like low polygon model of faces. In the case of spirits, they're animal faces. Okay. In the case of monumental, it's this uh, kind of surreal uh, triple-headed face. Like there's kind of three heads uh, in one. You'd have to just see it. I can't yeah. really describe it. Well. Uh, and then obviously recognition is the one, the one face, mm-hmm. um, kind of like a coin, coin almost. She's very yes. round and kind of flattened. Um, and I was projecting on all those pieces. So I think, yeah, there is, I have kind of found, and I'm not sure I'll stick with that. I have mm-hmm. so many ideas. I think my art practice is still very much diverging, mm-hmm. but these three pieces have that and in, in, in similar. They are kind of low poly gone, uh, paper-based sculptures, large-sized, with faces, focus on the face, with projection as the thing that kind of activates them. The other two pieces are interactive, so recognition is not interactive, it's just projection. Um, both spirits and monumental uh, both used a facial recognition camera and a light source. So I used like one of those ring lights that we are so, you know, that we yes. know about now. Yes. Everyone looks very pretty. Right. Uh, and <laughs> these ring lights and um, an audience member can just step up to the ring light and there's a small little camera in front of them and it'll capture, it'll recognize, you know, their facial features and put some aspect of their face onto the sculpture. Not predictably, like it might put the right eye on the left eye of the sculpture uh. or it might take lips and put them somewhere else like mm-hmm. I like that idea of like fragmenting and doing something a little not one-to-one like mm-hmm. something unexpected in spirits it's kind of funny I think it's it, it, it 
it distorts your features. It makes them really small, makes your eyes really big. And so that was more of a fun piece that showcased at um, like an interactive gallery called Hopscotch. And recognition was more, I think, more surreal. I really wanted, I love collage and video collage. And so that's what I was trying to do is that multiple people can, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, can, can, can have their face at the sculpture at the same time, but in unexpected oh, ways. It kind wow. of braids and blends people's features together. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. I didn't, I didn't realize that that was um, a, part, a part of the piece, that the, the, the audience member can be in front of the, the work and like have part of their features merge into the work. And is that, is that um, that's applicable to monumental spirits and recognition? Uh, monumental and spirits, not recognition. Okay. So recognition is purely um, motion graphics projected onto the face. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Good. I'm glad I, I'm glad to make sure I understood that. Cause I, I did see that on the website. I did see um, some photographs of the, the ring light. I just didn't understand the, um, the, the audience interactive uh, part of it. So that is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, with digital art, I think, yeah, you have to, you almost have to document it in video mm-hmm. because it's really hard to understand what the interaction is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like a photograph of the piece by itself, not moving one doesn't give you the sense of what's happening if there's any motion graphics or video mm-hmm. going on. But also it's really hard to describe how people are interacting with it. So whenever I have a piece up, um, I try to do some video documentation because that's mm-hmm. really the best way to tell the story once the piece has been taken down, right? Yes. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, it's, that's, that's really, it's really amazing. So yeah, the, the idea that you need a, um, a means of documenting how the, um, the work is impacting people and how people get to interact with the work, that's, that's really, it's really moving because then you almost have two separate works in and of itself, like the, the work itself doing its work and then the documentation. I, I like documentation. I did a little bit of archival work. Um, so I'm like, oh yeah, like how do we, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we package that and like keep it like moving in, into perpetuity so we can always see like how this work impacts people. So that's, so much fun. Um, yeah, and I think also with um, with video and interactive work, people, you know, you have some idea of how they'll behave. Like you've set up certain, you know, expectations and parameters and you've kind of choreographed what you want people to do, mm-hmm. but people always surprise you. So for instance, I have a photo of um, Monumental that was shown at the Austin Public Library here a couple of years ago. And using facial recognition, um, he knew that it recognizes any quote-unquote face. And so mm-hmm. he held up a dollar bill that he had in his pocket. And of course, the camera can't tell the difference between a human being yeah. and a representation of a human being as yes. long as the features are in the same spot. Right. And so he was able to kind of uh, play with the sculpture in a way that I hadn't expected, right? So I had my photographer like, oh my God, take a picture of that. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know people would do. And I thought, this is great. <laughs> That's so much fun. That's so cool. And he, I mean, it's smart. It's smart too. Like kudos to your, your audience member. Cause 
that's just really cool. Like you're like, oh, thank you <laughs> for thinking outside yeah, of the box. Yeah. <laughs> so, interactive work, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's the documentation of, of what people do, but then it's also the documentation of what you didn't expect people would do. And yeah. I think that's part of the the joy of interactive work. I always um, I'm very excited when people do something unexpected. I think some artists might be peeved or you know, <laughs> want to have like, very specific control over the audience. But yes. I, I kind of like, I mean, I, you know, short of destroying the piece, obviously you don't want that yeah. to happen. But if something quirky or unexpected, I'm like, that's creativity right there. I right, love it. that's it. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> um, so so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this, this question because it's directly related to the exhibition. Um, the landscape, the idea of landscape as a, a conceptual pillar within the Black Love Now exhibition. Um, so I, I see a landscape when I'm looking at the zooming effect on the face of recognition. And I, I think the goings and comings of our day-to-day life. Um, but when you created the work, did you consider a site or a specific, did a specific place come to mind to you when you were um, when you were, when you were creating that, that zooming effect of. I love this question because I really hadn't thought of it as a landscape really. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that when you see this, that's what you see, right? Mm-hmm. And definitely the zooming is there, right? So to describe for the people listening who haven't seen the piece, so you have this geometric face. And then what I've taken is sections of the face that I project on. And they have these lines, these concentric lines that are yeah, just kind of zooming. There's no better way to describe <laughs> that. Multiple zooms kind of happening simultaneously. And it's, it's a loop. Like I think the, you know, the visuals repeat every, probably every minute or so, right? It's not mm-hmm. an infinite kind of generative thing. But um, I, I spent a lot of time, I didn't really know what I wanted to project on the face. I knew projection would be involved. And I, you know, should share this with you. I have like hundreds of things that I projected on the face just to see if I liked it. It was really okay. more of a trial and error piece. So as I mentioned, a lot of the piece is really pre-planned almost to the inch or to the millimeter, but the projection was really something where I just went with my gut. So I just took photos of things. Um, I took um, video clips that were royalty free. I tried some generative art that's created with code. I projected so many things on that face. And I think there was something that struck me about one, the monochrome, like the black and white. Yes. Uh, the simplicity of lines on lines, especially how it intercepted with the hair, which are these concentric circles. So you've got like the facets of the face, the, the concentric circles and the moray pattern that happens when those circles overlap. Mm-hmm. And then like this, these zooming lines. And I think when I hit on that, I thought, and I kept coming back to it. Like I thought, oh, yes. this is a good one. You know, yes. let me put a pin in that one. Yeah. And let me keep on experimenting. And then I just kept coming back to that. And so um, the piece actually has the one loop, which uses these lines. And then I also found some more gestural things. So for instance, like black ink on paper, Uh again, still very black and white, still very minimalist, but it gives it a slightly different look, even with the same zooming kind of animation, Mm -hmm. because it's less uh, linear. It's more like organic. And so you'll see that there's a few kind of scenes, if you will, that's what they're called in the program that I'm using called Mad Matter. There's certain scenes that I use, very similar work, um, which are these lines. But sometimes they're more organic, sometimes they're more geometric, sometimes they're thinner. Wow. I I thank you for <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you for that read. I remember when um, my I showed my husband your work. 
he was like, that's amazing. Can I watch it again? Like, can I watch it again? Like, we just, we just, we just spent like, we spent an afternoon just watching your video over and over again, like trying to, trying to understand. And then also trying to see like, oh, okay. So that's that part of the video. Like, where's the video coming from? Like, is there like a paper covering part of the projection, like light, like the lighting effect, like how is she like producing, like we're trying to recreate it for ourselves, but without an explanation. So hearing the explanation, you're just like, wow, <laughs> this is amazing. Nice. Yeah, so. there is, I think there is a bit of that. I think projection mapping, you know, with me is very um, familiar, right? Mm-hmm. I've just been doing it for a while and I know a lot of artists that do it, but I think there is something about projection mapping because it takes what we know of projection but it uh, trims it to a three-dimensional object and when you do that it just goes from something ordinary to something extraordinary yeah like you cannot if you're, if you're not familiar with where the camera might i'm sorry where the projector might be which is normally kind of behind you and above you kind mm-hmm. of out of sight you're good about it yes <laughs> it's on the ground like you know, and of course the, the light transmission happens unless there's smoke in the room, you can't really see the light rays. Mm-hmm. And so it, you, you come across this object, which is glowing and you don't really know where that light is coming from. Yes. So you're mesmerized by the object first and hopefully you're engaging with that. And then probably you're starting to look around going, is it lit from behind? Is it lit from above? Right. Is it lit from below? Like, where is this light source coming from? And uh, that's one of the things I love about projection and using light is that you're just able to create a bit of magic. Um, yeah, by doing something a little unexpected, maybe something a little technically surprising to people. So, so did you did you already have this relationship with light? Like with with light and paper, or is that something that you had to discover as you were working on the piece? Like was that yeah, did you already have that relationship or was is that something you started building up with like monumental and spirits? You know, I think working with light probably is a progression just from being an interaction designer. Cause if you think of our screens or, you know, um, they're, they're, they're lit, right. And that's how you're able to transform the, the screen, right. Transform the tools you're working with because you're just changing how they look. They're not like built into the environment. They're just light based. And so I think, when I went to create interactive artwork, projection was the closest I could get to that, right? I mean, I couldn't afford massive screens to do right. <laughs> crazy right. interactive stuff with. Projection was kind of like an inexpensive and, you know, I'm going to put easy in air quotes because, yeah. man, projection always can do something a little funny for you. Um, but, yeah, so I think I, it was this idea that interaction requires something to change state depending on how people respond to it. And so if that's not screen-based, then I think I just moved to projection as a way to change something in response to someone's behavior. And I think I've just stuck with it ever since. So I think most of my pieces of artwork have been projection-based in some way. Wow. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for sharing about your work and your process. And I... I still have like an infinite number of questions that completely not even related to the work. I, I just want to know more about even just like your, your, um, your work life, like your professional practice and what that's like on a regular day-to-day basis. Um, I've already taken like an hour of your time. <laughs> 
I want to go there. (laughs) I know we're going to have to, we're going to have to save it, but, um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing and just being here. Um, and giving us some insight into recognition. So I look forward to the install process and being able to share your work with our audience here in Houston, Texas. Well, well, thanks for curating this amazing show. I can't wait to see who else is in it. I think it's going to be an amazing event. Thank you. And thank you for this opportunity. So I'm glad we connected. This is great. Thank you. Thank you so much. So take care and I'll see you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I enjoyed interviewing Lisa. So I'm so happy that you were here with us for this uh, seminal moment. Um, Also, um, there are links to pictures and articles in the show notes. And lastly, if you aren't following us on socials, what are you waiting for? So it's at the Scarlet Market on IG. All right. And um, on Instagram, I uh, post related to the podcast content, exhibitions, and just little behind the scenes things of me working here and there. So I'm trying to fill your feed with some good stuff. So follow us today if you aren't already. Cheers. <laughs>